Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to the second part of our episode with the Mana Squad, the one mana more. Is that correct? Other way around. <laughs> one more mana. Uh, one more mana. Okay. I almost thought it was just like a Rhystic Study kind of reference. Like, are you paying the one sort of thing? So, uh, yes. Yeah. So this is our part two. Last episode, we kind of really went through our design philosophy, how we approach deck building, um, talked a little bit about some of our decks. And today we're really going to jump in and talk about what that can mean for us, what it means about us, kind of how that can come into our deck building style and what it, how to apply it to the real world, what kind of can be a take-home message. But we need to reintroduce ourselves and start with another good burning question. And today we're going to ask, what is a deck that you either are working on or looking forward to building uh, that you haven't finished yet? So I'll hand it over to you guys first. Cool. I'll start it off. Um, this is Sad Senpai, or you can call me Sad for short. Uh, one deck that I'm definitely interested in building is NES The Gale Force. This is uh, the three blue, blue uh, Jin commander from Jumpstart. Uh, has flying. It's a 4-4. Four, four, and you pay two in a white... Two or hybrid mana of white or blue, attacking creatures with flying at plus one, plus one until end of turn. And the kicker on this thing is when three or more creatures you control with flying attack, each player gain, gains control of a non-land permanent of your choice, controlled by the player to the right. So pretty much just doing the whole switcheroo kind of thing going on with all the players at the table. And I think this is probably the the best crafted gen that Wizards has created in a long time. Um especially the fact that it's legendary and and it's, it's not so many hoops you have to jump through to to do the good thing. Uh, I just love that aspect of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do some uh, interesting and also terrible things with it. <laughs> like, I, I found that card real interesting because it's got like flying tribal sort of as a thing and yeah, as yeah. a mechanics kind of person. Like that's really interesting to me. Yeah, it definitely gives flying a shot. Uh, you can get your birds in, your thopters in, your spirits in. Uh, go go nuts, whatever. If you want to make it a uh, central flying thing, like birds or spirits, uh, do that. Or just go all across the board. Uh, I don't discriminate, so I'll, I'll see what happens when I throw all these things together. And <laughs> I'm more interested in, this, in the switcheroo aspect. What, what am I taking? What am I giving away? And yeah changing board states. It's really funny. I mean, for blue white, you're getting the elements of chaos, which usually you have to dip into red to really get that. It's kind of cool to see that flex over into just those colors. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely reminds me of the, uh, ultimate ability for, uh, Amanatsu, the, the fate shifter, I believe this, the, the commander, the, 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 the planeswalker. Yeah. Planeswalker commander. And I love that last ability because most people don't expect you to get it off. Or if you do get it off, people don't really, they're not really paying attention if you are going to use it or not. They're just mostly work, worried about what are you flickering and <laughs> or what cards are you drawing. And so there's been one time I was actually able to get that ability off and it, it, it changed the game very drastically when it, when it happened. I didn't even care if I got the least amount of things. It was just <laughs> <laughs> things were happening that weren't supposed to happen. And I was, I was so happy about that. 
Uh, let's see. The deck that I'm currently brewing is a Ulamog deck. And I know a lot of people out there thinking, oh, the Eldrazi's are coming. But no, artifacts are coming. <laughs> the Mirrors, the Thopters, all the 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 um the engines, everything is coming. And they won't see it coming until it's too late. See, once again, this gets us back into last episode. If you haven't gone and listened to that one yet, I do recommend going back because we're going to be building off of it. But Ken talked about in the last one that he kind of wants to keep people on their toes and not really know what they're necessarily. You like to play with expectations, it sounds like. Exactly. Like when I see my thing is, I don't want you to think you know me when I sit down. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. And, you know, have people maybe wasting some of their time preparing for the wrong thing. Exactly. It's like, yeah, go ahead and cast Ulamog. I want you to. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Use resources on things that really don't matter. I like this. Alex, how about um, you? Yeah, I go. Um, so I'm Alex. Uh, on Twitter at uh, Alec or at uh, Mel underscore Chronicler, um, the deck that I'm I'm kind of brewing right now is is a Oathbreaker deck for Narset of the Ancient Way um, from the uh, Ikoria set because I was opening packs. This one is is purely the aesthetics of the card because I opened the uh, I don't know what they call this the showcase or whatever the, the just gorgeous comic extended art version of this card and i knew that i needed to do something with it and an oathbreaker is a nice way to do an edhe sort of thing but then have this planeswalker always on the table even if i have it cast her she's like there as as the leader of the deck um and also what was really compelling for me as i started to build this deck i realized like she cares about non-creature spells and uh yeah planeswalkers are, are actually non-creatures and that uh Always, always enjoy doing trying to do like a super friends deck, and I've been trying to find a place for Sarkin the Masterless for more of the spark because this Sarkin, um, his plus one turns each planeswalker you control into a four four dragon with flying. And so, I've been trying to find a, a place for him to be kind of the win condition of a deck, and this seems like a good fit. Well, and I am Hobbs Q. Uh, I can be found on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at Hobbs Q. And uh, right now I am actually, so I'm trying to expand a little bit into, uh, I've been playing with people who are a little more okay with things like um, uh, Unmander playing the stuff. For, like I, I run a couple of civil bordered cards now in my Sir Gwen deck uh, because Sir Cadian is just amazing. Uh, and so I also... Uh, oh, I also have Sword of Dungeons and Dragons because it it's an equipment deck. But I actually am working on building uh, X, just the card X from Unset and naming it X Gun Give It To You. So the idea oh. is basically <laughs> to give away permanence or to swap permanence, kind of what Sed was mentioning. Um, but I want to do things like uh, Delusion, Illusions of Grandeur and kind of other things that you that are like once they come into play, they don't really matter and give them away. So I want to work on trying to kind of build around giving permanence away or swapping permanence, but I really am planning on using at least some silver bordered cards because I want to try to see how to build that and if it really does feel okay or not. I mean, gets back into the discussions that we've talked about. Ken was mentioning that the social contract and upfront kind of trying to have that discussion, like this is a deck that's mainly if people are okay with it, then I will play it. 
So that's us. Last time we talked a lot about kind of our design philosophy and kind of how we approach EDH and EDH deck building. Today, I really want to bring this to kind of this idea of narratives. Uh, deck building is one way to kind of tell a story. We all kind of approached last time discussing things that we did when we're looking at deck building, kind of what our mindset is when we uh, build, what we want it to look like to the people sitting across the table from us, what the commander means or doesn't means. All of this are things that go into a narrative, something that we are crafting about ourselves. This is kind of an idea even about self-identity. And I want to get into this because these are the stories that we are telling about ourselves. And these stories can oftentimes come into conflict when we kind of are in the real world. So an example of this that has come up a lot in my line of work, so I'm a psychologist at the uh, VA, I work with veterans, is I tend to work in mental health and I work with a lot of veterans who left the military not due to the choice that they wanted to, but due to disabilities. And a lot of people who are in that situation have really crafted this narrative for themselves of that's who they were going to be. They were going to be the soldier. They were going to be military. They were going to retire from that. Um, and that was taken away or that is something that's changed about them. And a lot of what causes the stress is this idea that you're trying to overcome these narratives that you have built or these narratives or these stories. This can go along very well with the deck building element that we are kind of talking about. And I'm curious, when we were talking about those things, how much of yourself do you feel is being reflected in how you approach EDH or how you approach deck building? So I'll, I'll take this first. Um, being the very introspective person that I am, uh, I don't know if that's just a psychologist in me or just my personality um, or whatever, but I did take a look at, uh, you know, the psychographics coming into magic. I took it, took a look at the color pie to say, to see what they said about the players playing those colors and what those colors represent. Um, I am on paper, a Demir player, uh, blue, black, um, a lot of my stronger decks tend to at least have those two colors in them. And I actually enjoy playing those colors. And I, I do believe that they actually represent a portion of my personality. Um, it's not that I'm necessarily, you know, trying to assassinate people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's more so that I, I have some tricks that I want to play or I want to see, you know, how many buttons I can push, uh, see what I can get away with. Uh, try to learn more about you before I try to take you out. You know, though that, that, that aspects of blue black is what I enjoy. Uh, and also what I enjoy about magic in general. So I like to, you know, play around a little bit and try to really get into the heads of the people that I'm playing with at the table. Um, you know, it, I could just simply be a blue mage maybe. Uh, but I, I like the blue black aspect because I like to do it, uh, you know, a little, be a little bit more devious with it. Uh, be a little bit more actionable. Uh, blue tends to be a little bit more cautious and reactive. Uh, I, I want to have the aspect of both of being, you know, uh, discerning what what may come my way and what I can can prevent, and also what kind of chaos I can call, cause as well. So um, I, I, I do think that the color pie accurately reflects me as a magic player. Uh, I think that it reflects other people as well, and. 
Uh, we may talk about this a bit later, but I'll just say it now. But I try to take that aspect into other colors, uh, being devious and being, you know, sneaky and try to learn more about the players at the table, um, what type of, you know, what type of players they are and how I can throw them off balance and try to apply the blue, black, demure aspect into no matter what other color that I'm playing. Like for a while I was playing red or other, really any other color as I would a blue player, um, you know, being being reactive and stopping things and making things go my way. And I, and I try to carry that over to every other color pie as well. Well, you mentioned even your, your green mono green deck was built around sneaky mill, you know, right, blue right. ability at its at its core. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, if we're talking about this from, you know, you, you mentioned the, the psychologist in you or kind of that piece to it. You were mentioning, I think this was a little bit off air, but we were talking about your role as a school psychologist or educational psychologist, sorry, um, and your after school programs. And I was actually interested to hear kind of a little bit more about that. Also yeah. to see how, you know, does that demure viewpoint extend to something like your work or your life outside of magic itself? Yeah, so I do definitely uh, see myself uh I, I think i would categorize myself more maybe more as esper in real life <laughs> uh because i feel like i feel like demir seems like the villain uh but i i i see myself as the hero maybe <laughs> uh with the kind of work that i do i uh work with uh inner city kids uh, in high school uh teaching them basically life skills and uh mentorship and uh, basically skills that they can take with them after graduating high school to, you know, whether it's entrepreneurial or uh, things that they're actually interested in as far as going into the workforce. Um, and just just things that make them sad, things that make them satisfied about themselves that they feel like when they leave high school that they can be proud that they actually have these skills. And one of the things that we were actually working on this past semester, or really past year before uh, the pandemic hit, I was teaching them how to create podcasts. They all came into the program very enthusiastic about anime and 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 um, you know music and sports and whatever the topic is. And a few of them expressed that they you know wanted to have their own YouTube channels on the side. So I asked them as a group, I was like, so do you would you guys mind learning how to learn the technical aspects of you know, starting your own podcast. And that, and most of them said yes. So the assignment at the end of the year was for them to actually create their own podcast as a group. And so throughout this entire time, I'm talking to them about YouTube. I'm talking to them about anime, manga, um, talking to them about algorithms, everything that goes into the aspects of, you know, being an entertainer or a personality mm -hmm. on, on, in a podcast world. And this entire time, no one ever questioned how I knew this information. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because I'm a podcaster. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I would, I will, I won't tell them that until the appropriate time. Uh, so that's that's the sneakiest, the, the sneaky side of me that you know I have information that I'm withholding from you that I'm going to share at a later time. Uh, it could be critical information, but maybe not, and maybe not so much. But uh, yeah, that's that's. That's kind of real world aspect of, of me in a nutshell is that I kind of like to have some information that I keep or withhold and I share at a at a critical time, at a valuable time to kind of make the the whole of the picture of the puzzle come together 
uh, when I when I feel is right. I mean, one of the things I like you said that the, you know the kind of the idea of uh, Esper, you could see yourself as a villain, um, but this is all about perspectives. I mean, everything that we're going to be talking about, even just with how you were looking at, you know, when you choose to re- reveal that information, is about perspectives. You know, you are seeing yourself as somebody who's trying to bring these kids along. I mean, you're trying to get them the space to grow and yeah, you've got information, but you don't want to just here, here's a bunch of information that I have. You, you want them to have some discovery. It sounds like. Yeah, definitely. That, and that's actually my approach to magic is, is discovery. And that's my approach to uh, my teaching as well. I, I, we talked offline, but I have many hats. I'm also a, a part-time uh, college instructor. <laughs> 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 so um, I take my philosophy uh, everywhere I go is that I want it to be a, a path of, of discovery, uh, not just uh, giving you all the information at once. Um, kind of want to lead you to the to the whale uh, as as you're taking a drink. And, and you mentioned this. Yeah, I mean, you, you have all of these different hats. And I'm wondering, does that impact kind of this idea of how you see yourself, kind of what your narrative is, or kind of the story of who said is? Um, I would definitely say so. Uh, growing up, I've always been a um, dabbler into many different things. Um, you, the, the, the saying is usually, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, that's that's kind of the the role mm-hmm. that I took for a while <laughs> until I uh, try to settle, settle in on something. Um, and I just have so many skills that I learned growing up and I had a hard time trying to figure out where to apply that to. And uh, many people in my family, my immediate family are actually artists and also educators. So I definitely knew that I wanted to do something in education. And I also wanted to create. And so I use magic as a way to be creative, uh, put my ideas on on cardboard, um, you know, do podcasts and videography and photography. Those are my other outlets for creativity. And so this is it, it all pretty much wraps up together, even when it doesn't seem like it looks like it. But these are all outlets that fit my personality of what I like to do and how I like to express myself. I would say, and based on what you were talking to us about last time, it really does seem to come through in the decks that you were describing or kind of how you approach just even starting with your idea, where you go from there. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be something new, something exciting, something that's a, a head turner, something, you know, a head scratcher, uh, not just something that everyone has seen uh, all the time. Um, and because I feel like that gets boring. Um you, you, you start to judge what the deck is already going to do or what the play style is already going to be. And even in my classroom, I throw a curveball at you. So <laughs> you, you may know what the topic is for that day, but you don't know how I'm going to present it. So, Ken, I was thinking one of the things that really struck me behind your whole design philosophy, even starting from step one, was there was a couple of different elements. There was kind of a surprise element where you want people to be kind of questioning what's going to happen. But the other thing that that really stood out when we're talking about this real world topic is this idea of contingencies. You, I mean, you, you mentioned the Boy Scout, be preparedness, that you kind of have, make sure that you have kind of elements of a graveyard hate or you have interactions. And I'm curious if that is something that just comes from your personality outside of magic. Is that specific to when you're playing? Uh, yeah, like it's like I, you know, I learned from a young age from Scar to be prepared as uh as much as you possibly can be, even though it didn't work out too much for him. But um, 
like um the way my deck building blends into my real life like i take cues from for example like paul lore's dunbar's poem we wear mask we wear the mask so you kind of present uh for position but you don't reveal your true intent so like when i like i like to prepare for things because you don't like for example uh, a rainy day something may have been it may not happen but it does happen you want to be prepared for so in life you know i build in contingencies for for everything like what happens if something happens to my car what happens if something happens to my job and that's just the way of growing growing up to be secure and prepared for anything that life throws you and i think i've taken that elements over and played it taken into my gameplay as well it's also my play style too the way that i work and operate especially if i'm in a group is that i want everyone to benefit and I want everybody to enjoy the gameplay in the same ways in life, no matter what we're going through, just as long as everyone is, you know, enjoying the ride. That's what I'm here for. But in case something's happening, I just want to be able to plot and plan those interactions. Yeah, I mean, you, you said, you know, winning is secondary, but you have those, those are built in. And it seemed that a lot more of this was about bring along. Like you wanted to bring people, you want to make them better. You want to bring them you want them to have a good time. That is your number one kind of goal is to have it be interesting, to have it be different, to kind of have people thinking almost like trying to figure out what is going on and have that be a sense of discovery. Exactly. And I'm wondering how that kind of can apply or come across in your, your real life. So like, for example, um, I work with Sid and I also work with various other people, the other groups too. Because oh, I have a bunch of different projects that are going on outside of my main job as a programmer. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working with a group. And the thing is, like, when I work with a group, I want everyone to be able to express themselves. Um, I want I don't want anybody to be reserved and act like they're not being heard, especially in my development position. Uh, whenever we collaborate and everybody's able to express themselves and we're able to, you know, um, to compromise that we actually make a better product and that's with anything in life when i'm working with our uh, other groups as well when we're talking exchanging ideas and everyone feels like they have a voice then there's more productivity going on and i think that's how my gameplay to that as well i can say for certain my deck building style reflects kind of my personality um talked about on the cast before i i, I think i'm kind of red white but not really boros specifically not that that incarnation of red white um i think especially in more creative pursuits like deck building or writing or even podcasting i have kind of two portions i i I have a very spontaneous more discovery writer side of my personality and a much more structured part and neither one can really accomplish things it's it's a finding the balance between the two parts and i think that goes into like last episode when I talked about my deck building is a lot of me looking for little piece cards that go together and then can kind of pull out and go with different cards. And I like these little engines. And I think that it's kind of reflective of the idea that I'm kind of looking to find the cross section between these two parts of my personality where I can, the, 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 the right balance between there's enough structure to get me started enough, enough space for my spontaneity to work, but then, Sometimes that goes in weird directions or doesn't actually be productive. So I need the structure to keep it productive and kind of on task. And I know that for me, um, I touched a little bit on this towards the end of last episode. But 
for me, deck building a lot of times starts with just what do I have around me? Um, I kind of try to pull together from the cards that I already own. And part of this is just because I have a limited collection at this point. Um, I've pared way down over the years because magic has shifted in terms of how much time and energy I can spend into it. This is where I really think this idea of the narrative or the self-identity for me comes into my deck building. Because I think it used to be that I I would, you know, I had a very, very large collection. I used to buy collections. I used to, you know, when I left from San Diego, I had probably 50, 60,000 cards that I had just was not ready to move with me. And as I came out to Minneapolis, and as I've had these things in my life change, I, I have kind of had to adjust what magic means for me, which then goes back into this deck building philosophy. Um, Gone for me are the days where I could just spend, you know, I could have 10, 15 decks and I would get to play. I would play four or five nights a week. I have to be a lot more intentional with kind of how I approach magic because I have limited time. I mean, I have a very supportive wife. I have a very supportive, you know, just family in general to let me do things like record a podcast right now or be able to play online magic. But even then, I am nowhere near playing the same as I was in my 30s. And I've had to come to grips with this fact that when it comes to decks, I spend more time with a deck. I don't, I used to be able to build a deck. And if I didn't like it, it wasn't a big deal. I would take it apart. Now, if that happens, it really, I lose time. I lose a lot of my time and my effort and my energy because I may not get to play again for weeks. And if I don't have a good time with it or I'm not enjoying it, it can greatly shape kind of. I don't know, even the thoughts I have about myself. And I mean, I think that that's where this idea for me can become distressing is kind of trying to determine who I am and what my relationship with magic is and having to see that my deck building philosophy, even changing from where I was talking about last episode with my bolus deck from what it was to what it is now was something that really is a reflection of kind of a change in me and my viewpoints about myself. And I'm just curious for, for, you know, you know, Seth's mentioned kind of, you know, your, the, the MTG fam stuff that you've been doing kind of, it seems like this is probably something that you've had to go through kind of this, who you are, your, your values, almost kind of that narrative that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would say uh, for me, just personally, um, the reason we created MTG fam was to, um, really just discuss those kind of like what we're doing right now, the real world aspects of being a, being a family person, whether you're a parent or in a relationship um, and how magic kind of fits in or themes, lessons that we can take from magic and apply to our relationships as well in your, in your family. And for me, as I was saying, uh, personally, I'm a new parent. Uh, my oldest child is three, three years old. And we just had a, uh, new daughter uh, who's not even a year yet. So this this aspect of being a parent is still still pretty new to me, and I'm still trying to figure out how that how my identity as a you know magic player and my identity as a parent all rolls in together. So it's kind of my outlet to kind of figure those things out and also learn from other people in in the community as well. Um, I'm glad that we ha we're having these discussions even here and also on our platform as well, uh, where we can actually learn from each other and 
you know, there are parents in the magic community uh, age 60, 60 plus. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that we can all learn from each other um, and help help shape our identities around around being parents. Yeah, I, I have a I mean, I um I am an older first time parent, so I turned 40. My goal was to have a kid before 40, and I just got in under the wire by about six. Months. <laughs> uh, so I have I have a 16 month old now. And um, I will say having the magic community and knowing that we're seeing this shift in some ways of basically people are getting that age of having kids that have been playing magic for a while. And, uh, you know, this is something that I felt like there was a place for me to ex at least explore or get that help or to lean on that I could reach out to. But it definitely did sh shift just everything about my relationship with the game. And, you know, we, we've talked about this on here a lot, Alex, that without the podcast, I don't know if I would have continued actually at that point. And it's, it's interesting to have found this outlet to be the thing that really kept me grounded with this community. That this podcast is what's keeping me involved with magic. Well, even over the last year, to be honest, I didn't, the last year and a half, I've not played a lot of magic. Um, that was starting to change actually in around December, started playing some regular commander over at my store, but that is uh, no longer happening. Um, and now like I've never really done the online stuff. I don't have a webcam, so I can't really play that. And so this is my outlet for magic is participating in the podcast and kind of, you know, with the odd maybe deck brewing and, and following spoilers or buying a few cards that I can't do anything with right now, but it's, it's mainly the podcast for me. Um, yeah. If, if, I go on a little tangent because we're good at tangents and we like those um, just kind of talking about the, the topic of having to kind of deal with the changes and circumstances and self-identity and things. And with, with the quarantine going on, something I've, I've really just realized kind of this week working through some stuff that, so like I go to a lot of conventions. That's a, that's a thing that I've done a lot of. Um, I have social anxiety that was diagnosed a number of years ago conventions were a thing that i always wanted to do but just knew i couldn't and then as soon as i was diagnosed and i was getting you know some therapy and things that i went right away and jumped in with both feet and found some conventions that i love they're just places that i, I feel immediately at home and in in a community of people who i i belong with like a good a good group of people that i love spending time with well this year all of those are canceled those are all gone well not gone but they're they're all postponed and so I think I, I, I real I, I knew that was going to be tough because that's that's this outlet that I don't have. And this podcast has actually helped fill in some of that gap. But I realized that I use those conventions as kind of an external evidence that I wasn't falling back on some of my old anxiety habits, my old like just kind of falling, folding within to my, myself. And without that. I've kind of, I've felt a little more lost lately. And, and I think I'm now that I'm kind of seeing that I, I, I can start to kind of work on that, but that's a thing that I'm literally, I'm dealing with right now due to all of these circumstances. And I think us recognizing kind of that, you know, that that is the, you know, you've had this narrative of yourself, which was somebody in some ways in recovery from anxiety. And that has been challenged by real world kind of, situations outside of yourself 
Mm-hmm. And you're kind of having these competing values and ideals that you're having to address, whether it be from, okay, I'm going to focus on just deck building. So I'm at least engaging, or I'm going to do the cast. I'm going to work on episodes. Yeah, no. And, and like, I, I was talking to you, Hobbs, some off, um, one of the, you know, one of the things I'm back doing, cause now that I'm just spending time at home, I'm playing video games. Well, that's what I used to do to hide from the world. Um, so oddly, maybe not oddly, and maybe this was something that I was doing without realizing it. Well, like I, I recently went back to World of Warcraft. It's a big online game where there's actually kind of a social element to it. And I went, they re-released the classic version of the original game back in August. And I played with a number of friends of mine, but then they stopped playing. So I stopped playing. Well, now I'm, I went and actually found another guild, another group of people who I've never had any interactions with and went and joined this other group and have been doing a lot of in-game socializing and hanging out on Discord and chatting and stuff with this completely new group of people as kind of a new social outlet. And and for a long time, WoW was really my only social outlet outside of a handful of very close friends. Uh, kind of similar to the topic of, of cons, uh, conventions can introduce me to conventions um, at, a, at a late stage of my game. So, <laughs> uh, Ken, how are you kind of coping and 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 handling things, not being able to do your go to your convention scenes and, you know, play magic regularly like we used to? <laughs> so for me, conventions, it was like a home away from home. Um, it was where like people who and friends who I haven't interacted with, we got back together. And it was like the party didn't stop. So it was a great way to unwind from the stress of work and just all the things that come with just dealing with real world issues that it was just a time to forget and just party and hang out with these people and play games. And just it was a vacation away from the real world. Now that I don't have that anymore, it's just finding other ways to deal with everything that's going on. Um, and, and it's tough. I mean, yeah, I, I'm able to play games online with uh, people that with friends and stuff, play magic online in different groups and here and there. But that sense of community that conventions bring, that camaraderie, that that just nostalgia, all that, those happy times. Because as soon as you walked into the convention, it was like, I'm home. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we don't have that interaction anymore is devastating to a lot of people that I know and a lot of my friends. And we're just holding out because it's like, hey, we're going to get to that point again. I have to ride this one out. But it is, I mean, this actually, while we're recording this right now, this is supposed to be the weekend of uh, Magic Fest Minneapolis. And Magic Fest Minneapolis is usually a time where I take off extra time for work just to be able to do things. Um, I love to cook and I love having people over. I literally have three separate grills that are, I have a gas grill, a charcoal grill, and a smoker. And this is my time of year to use that for as many people as I can cram into my backyard in Minneapolis when they come into town. Send send us your address. We'll be there next year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay well hey no i'm telling you man th- th- this has been straight up you come here i am going to i usually make tri-tip enchiladas i make my own i grow oh, my man. own veggies like it's all just we do this we just have my backyard open magic players come we we actually drafted a box of time spiral last year yep that was fun which is a ridiculous set to draft yep. and 
not having that has actually been, I think it's just, it's just now that it's like, okay, that was something that we start planning for months in advance. Yeah. Just mm. to be able to do it. Like we started going to um, Vegas for their magic fest. Oh, yeah. And it used to be a whole thing. Like we used to meet other content creators every day from morning till night. We'd uh, meet at, we'd even meet at different, like at one point we had uh, different lobbies in the hotels or mm -hmm. different conference rooms <laughs> that we would take over just to play different magics and different magic uh, type games and uh, have different pods and, and do different things there too. So it was always something that we looked forward to. It was the most magic we could play at one time and we were all geared up for that. But now it's like, okay, we just have to wait for it again. And it, it was some of the best times, uh, the most interesting people that we met. It was just, like I said, that escapism that we needed. And how to find that in a period of, of a pandemic, civil unrest, and just kind of everything that has been hitting our community of magic separate. I mean, we we're seeing the real world really bleed into our community right now um, in a way that I'm hoping that people are not going to forget about or just let go, which has happened in the past, but each day it seems like we get reminders of that. And I think what you're saying, Ken past is like, this has been our escape and this has been kind of that we lose out on conventions and we're just, we're faced with this every single day without the same outlets. My thing is for times like this, people just need to reflect and appreciate the things that they do have. Um, I think, cause I think a lot of us have taken these things for granted and it's like, Hey, you know, it's always next year and blah, 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 blah. And we realize now that in situations that we might not have the next year. So I just want people to reflect and appreciate thankful for what that because not a lot of people can actually play magic or have these other outlets that we have what i just just have to sit back and say you know what i'm glad that i've been able to do this been up to this point and hopefully that we'll get back to doing this again yeah and i'll also say um during this time uh this is going to sound weird but at the beginning of this year i I said that I really needed this year to kind of slow down for me. <laughs> so, this, so all of this, all oh, of good, this, nice and easy, perfect timing. All of this, all of this may be my fault. <laughs> but, uh, so we're blaming Sid, your pitchforks and light torches to his house. <laughs> but yeah, I just had a lot of stuff going on in my life. Like I said, new new kid, finishing up grads, uh, my grad program, um, going into a different work venture started with a new group of kids that I was mentoring and I just needed my life to kind of just like, you know, just chill for a minute so I can get things in order. Um, and I'm saying all this to say is that, that the pandemic happened and I didn't let that stop me from getting my life in order. Um, I needed, I appreciate this time because I've been able to organize myself and really plan out the next year or two, um, get my mind a lot more clear than I needed it to be to, to be able to see my next steps. Uh, to release a lot of that stress and um, that was really getting getting to me, um, you know. So like I, I've been able to appreciate that. And you you said that the real world is bleeding into the magic world now, and I want us as content creators and other content creators to uh, kind of ride this wave as far as how can we make 
what what things can we do to make the magic community better during this time so that when the when everything picks back up we have something positive that we've added to the community uh during this time so uh, we as a channel, even though, you know, we're kind of small, uh, we're, we're steadily growing uh, throughout this time where we're taking it upon ourselves to see how else we can reach out to other people in the community to see what we can do to help them as well. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say it here, but it's kind of been in the in the backgrounds of what we've, what we've been doing over the past year anyway. But we're we're trying to actively add uh, more uh, female, black female podcasters to our network uh, to help platform them to join the team and make them more visible. So if any if anyone is listening to this, just know that they can reach out to one more mana. We're looking to contact and connect with you as well, um, specifically black female uh, EDH or magic players, uh, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's all about um, and this is what I teach uh, in my class as well. It's all about intent. Uh, see what areas are lacking in, in the areas that you're trying to help and figure out what you can do to help those are, uh, individuals in those areas. So uh, black female representation is very lack, uh, lacking in Magic the Gathering, and I want us to do our part to make them more visible. Yeah, we've talked about um, this idea that, you know, I know that a lot of creators have wanted to have this idea of like, well, we'll, we'll create a space where people will want to come do that which is awesome. And that's great that, you know, we want to have spaces that people feel comfortable coming to, but there also needs to be that intentionality of actually soliciting or reaching out to people. And and we had this discussion for us about, we don't want it to turn ever into this idea of we're asking people to teach us, you know, that we're asking like, you know, ask your black friend or something that seems like tokenism, but there does need to be an intentionality and not just expect that, you know, those voices are going to get amplified if people don't reach out or don't try to make the collaborations happen mm -hmm. to use their platform however they're able to. The, to me, it's just the idea that there is at least intention behind it. There's mindfulness. It's not just hopefully it happens. Right, right, right. And I would say that too, um, I think that I, I hope that people are listening and reach out to you guys. I would love to see more of those voices out there. Because this time to me, especially with this pandemic and the way things have slowed down, is there has to be a lot more mindfulness. And I think that you mentioned the idea of you didn't you 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 had plans to slow down. <laughs> You're using this now to more get things in, in order, though, which is I think that idea people misunderstand the concept of acceptance. Um, you know, there's this within a whole therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy. The idea of acceptance doesn't mean that you're okay with. Um, acceptance means that you're seeing things for as they are. And you are being aware of what you do have control over or not have control over and what you're right. able to make changes with or not. And I think that this idea of mindfulness is not just, I think a lot of people confuse mindfulness also with relaxation. Because um, mm -hmm. you hear people like, oh yeah, you should do deep breathing. Mindfulness is to be observing how things are, not how we want them to be. And I think mm -hmm. that using this time, maybe during the pandemic, to actually take stock of that could be beneficial. Right, right. 
Um, I don't know if we want to bore people with our psychology talk, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, if they're, if, if they're here, they probably have. Uh, <laughs> I hope if they're not, because otherwise nobody's ever listening to the show. That is a cornerstone of our show. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be back to do more segments then about mindfulness. And uh, <laughs> hey, you come uh, back. We'll do a whole mindfulness episode. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. It's probably on our list somewhere. We have we've got a whole list of random topics and and things to to try to flush out. And I, mindfulness is in there somewhere. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, Kenan said, I really just I, is there anything else you want to kind of leave us with? Because I really do just appreciate you guys taking this time to kind of talk about. You know, this started with the discussion of deck building and kind of more of the technical piece of how we play. But we're seeing how that easily bleeds over. I mean, I even liked what you were saying, said about the Demir element crossing into Esper for you for how you approach your teaching or Ken really wanting to have that contingency, that preparedness is something that you value in life. So it makes sense that it's crossed over into your magic plane. Yeah, um, we, we've talked about this uh, before we even started the um, our channel. Uh, when we met, we we actually created goals. We created our um, you know business plan, our mission statements, and everything. And one of the deeper conversations we had was, what do we want from this from this channel, from this experience, uh, before we even started everything? And so we had to come to terms with that, and we talked it out. And we already know where we want this to go. Um, you know, if Ken feels like sharing, that's fine. Uh, but we we already know where we where we want this to go in the future, and how we want that to impact the community at large. You know, not just the magic the magic community, but the our community in a broader sense. And so that's always been our intention with this with this podcast with this channel. Um, is you know it's our form of of you know building and also giving back. And so I would hope that other uh, podcasters out there as well, other content creators understand the not necessarily power but the privilege that they have as far as what they're able to contribute to their community and how they can uh, make it make it better and so that's that's really the last thing that i would i want to say is just you know look to yourself to see how you can help other people and i know this is the old and by model if you build it they will come we also want to show people like magic is fun it's I always say it's like a higher form of chess into the upteenth power. And uh, the way I got introduced to it just was happenstance. As I but as other people see me playing, I noticed that more people are becoming interested. So we have the ability to introduce more people to this community and grow it even further. Because, like, yeah, it, yeah, sometimes it can be expensive or whatever, but it not necessarily. It can actually be very cheap. The, the broadness of the game and all its facets and the lore and all the other elements surrounding magic is very engaging to people who've never even witnessed it before. So to have that opportunity to open that door and bring more people to this community, awesome in itself. Yeah, one thing we've talked about on here um, was that there is, you don't even almost have to play. I mean, at this point, you could, you know, a lot of what's kept me here is this podcast. Uh, it's the community. It's cosplayers. It's people talking about building. It's having those thoughts to it. And I do like what you said that, yes, we know that this is, it, it's a luxury good in some ways. 
and there are ways to still be able to kind of play and ways to get the cards into the hands of people. Um, we had Daquan on, and he mentioned a lot of that. Like, how do you get the cards to the players? Because there are ways to do this cheaply and being thoughtful about how you can get people to be interested and get them playing, to me, is one of the things that's the most important. But even if so, which I, I hope they get through with this and I hope they actually go through with it. There's supposed to be a Magic the Gathering series. But the lore itself is so rich and engaging. It's the stories that they could tell alone would bring more people in. Well, like I said, I really thank you guys for joining us. And if you want to give your last plugs and your sponsors and everybody that you guys got working with you and plans for the future, we'd love to just hear that before we head out. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find us on YouTube under One More Mana. Uh, find us on Twitter at The Mana Squad. Uh, we have a Patreon uh, at The Mana Squad as well. And we are affiliated with TCG Player. You can find the links to that in the description for all of our videos on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we're just really looking forward to engaging with more people over the next year and um, making making more broad connections and just just seeing what seeing where this goes.